Hi, my name is Jennifer Walker, and I'm one of the moms on call. My friend Laura Henter and I have been helping parents of babies and toddlers navigate issues with raising their kids. We're probably best known for our sleep program, which is featured in all three of our books and our online classes and serves as an instruction manual for your tiny little humans. We are so glad you found us because in parenting, it is hard to find stuff like the matching sock or where you left your glasses. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of avoiding mama drama by having a circle of friends that you can really lean on. And even more importantly, how vital it is to be a friend that somebody else can lean on to. Of course, we're going to answer your questions. And today's topics include a toddler who doesn't like trying new foods. Well, we've all been there. A four-month-old sleep regression challenge. At Moms on Call, we have another name for that. Can't wait to share it with you. And we have a call from a dad who wants to know what to do with a baby that will only sleep when mom is holding them. We'll end, like always, with something to put a smile on your face. Today, it's a college professor who's going above and beyond. It is the sweetest story, and it'll just make your heart so glad. So let's get started. We know that nobody is busier than parents, so we promise you that you'll always get some useful knowledge in the first five minutes of our show. Let's go. All right, toddlers are so much fun. And so much work. (laughs) They are so much work. And did you know that we can use specific ways of communicating according to how they're designed, Jennifer? Of course. It's the smart paradigm. It is the ways that your kids are designed. And if you had to guess, what would you say your toddler would be? You can probably just pick it up knowing the five types. Social, movement, an engineer, rule follower, or touch. For example... The social kid wants to be with people. The movement kid, they're going to expend some physical energy throughout the day. Laura, those engineers. Oh my gosh. They're so hard to nap those kids. That mental energy is crazy. They have so much. A rule follower, they're going to want to know the rules. And I know it seems like a great thing. Like, oh, I want my toddler to be a rule follower, but they're bossy. But my favorite are some of these touch kids. They love, love, love to snuggle and be right next to you. They'll take their fingers and wrap it in your hair sometimes. And it's the sweetest thing ever. But they also pull your hair if they get frustrated. The same way that they express their elation in life is the way they express their frustration. And so toddlers are a many splendored thing. But today, we hope that you recognize that they're all incredibly, wonderfully, mysteriously different. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Well, Laura, today we have something that rhymes to talk about. So that's always a fun thing to do. And it's mama drama. 
Oh, man, that's... Have we not been a part of some mama drama? But mama drama right here in my own house, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so important to have that group of friends and people who can speak in. We go and do this really great event at Baby Breathway. We go up there and the five of us talk about things, five of us who have been businesswomen and friends for years and shared our lives at different stages with kids and just kind of prepare the world and say like, sometimes when you say find friends, like that's so much easier, like in my free time (laughs) at the playground, how do I know they're not weird? (laughs) Can we order, can those be shipped to my house? (laughs) I would like one tribe of friends as indicated on Instagram, please. (laughs) We do want people to find friends and we talk a lot about that. And I know that when I'm in my consults, one of the things that I leave each family with is one, you're going to parent out of truth and not fear. That's right at the top of my list. But the second is to find two or three people that are like-minded to kind of walk this journey with you, because those are the ones that you're going to kind of get in those trenches with. Yes. But we need people who don't think like us as well. But I'm probably not going to ask those so much for parenting advice for people. (laughs) Well, they'll give it anyways, though. They will. (laughs) Don't we all? We all want to just have our voice heard and and talk about those things. And I think that's what causes the mama drama. And it doesn't mean that anybody's right or wrong. So when we're in the trenches, we want people who are like-minded to kind of... (laughs) All right, Jennifer. (laughs) Sorry. And when you're in the trenches, you want people who are kind of like-minded, who know what you're going through through to kind of help you get through that. But in that kind of circle on the outside of that, we need people. And that's probably the thing that always just when you share. So let's go back to Braithwaite. So we're at Braithwaite and we're telling people to find your people. And there's Mm -hmm. one thing that you always tell them. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so important. Tell them, share it, share with that thing, (laughs) share it, share it. Well, there's one part of trying to find that person, but there's a huge other part of it, which is to be that person, to be the person that can support another mom where she is, even if she disagrees, even if it just seems completely different from you, to be able to connect at the part that unifies you, at the part that wants to be a good mom, at the part that's trying, even if all the details don't line up. How can you be that? Grace in the chaos is this wonderful phrase that you've coined that we've said a hundred times over. We even have matching (laughs) t-shirts that say that because you just need to be reminded. But yeah, like what do you need in order to be the person that is the friend somebody else is looking for? Right. And those, to me, that's so valuable. And it's a great reminder to me, myself, at what are some things that I can do to be that friend with Mm. people that, yes, that may think like me, but may not think like me. How can I be that friend? And I even think about our relationship, Jennifer, because, yes, we you can finish my sentences. Sandwiches. And we, and sandwiches, exactly. And you finish my sandwiches as well. And so we do have that kind of relationship. I finish your crab cakes. Let's just correct hey, this. Well, we have had I crab cakes around the world. It's according to how good they are if there's any left. <laughs> right. But 
But we don't necessarily do everything exactly the same. I think that what was it one time we were talking about how many times we've called poison control? (laughs) Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that, Laura. How many times with five children? I know I keep giving you six, but I've really come to get comfortable with the fact that you're only going to have five. That's fine. Well, but I am getting another son next year. So see, there's the sixth. That's the sixth one for now. You knew it the whole time. The whole time. Five kids. How many times did you call poison control? Zero. Mm -hmm. Never, ever did I feel. Yeah, but my kids make fun of me now. I'm just saying because they all think, you know, unless like we're walking in the house carrying our arm, Mom's going to say, you're fine. Shake it off. Go put a Band-Aid on it. Look, (laughs) (laughs) one time one of my kids sprayed themselves in the face with 409. Then there was the time that when I was pregnant with the twins and I was on bed rest and Grayson got into the children's vitamins (laughs) and (laughs) ate a bunch of those. They did not contain iron. Thank goodness. We didn't have to go get his stomach pumped. (laughs) And... Then my favorite, okay, this is the favorite <laughs> was, and it seemed to always be Grayson actually. So maybe you just have that one kid. That's your poison control kid. So he was in his room and I just went to go to the bathroom and I just went number one. I was not there long <laughs> and I come back and he's literally chewing on the vanilla insert of the, um, it was like that scented, what did you call pop. Things. Yeah, what the little pop things. Yes. What were they called? Deodorizer. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was a little deodorizer that you put on the very top of the I diaper I don't even pail. know if they make those. No, they probably shouldn't because Should, right. of the calls that were made, like mine, <laughs> to poison control that said, my son is chewing on the vanilla insert of this deodorizer. And he was fine. They checked all the ingredients <laughs> and he was going to be fine. But he did have proper fresh vanilla breath for like a day and a half. That's right. Hello. Yeah. That was some good stuff. I was like, how did he even find it? How did he locate it? Open the diaper pail, locate that and get it out in order to begin to chew on it. It's just amazing. And I want to be clear, poison control is one of the most incredible services that we have available. They really are Their system that they use is incredible, and we do highly recommend. If you have an issue and you're unsure, call Poison Control. They will walk you through and let you know exactly what to do. Even as a seasoned pediatric nurse, I do not know the ingredients in common household deodorizers. However... You know, I'm not saying there probably weren't a few times that I should have called poison control, (laughs) but I tend to be like, "Eh, let's see where this goes. And and my kids still make fun of me because they've all made it because they're here to make fun of you. And here's how that relates to mama drama. Like we don't use our differences to bash each other over the head. And I think at the root of that, sometimes it's just our own insecurity. Like one person doesn't have to be right for the other person to be wrong. And there was this ancient Chinese proverb I remember hearing and it said, if I am right and you are wrong, but you are right and I am wrong, it's time to look beyond right and wrong. Oh, and okay, I just that's always, brilliant. Right. 
didn't come up with that, but somebody smarter than me did. And I think about that a lot and about how that breeds healthy friendships. But there's always going to be like one person in the group that's more one way and one a bit more another way. And that's what I always loved about like the sitcoms when we were growing up. You had this expectation of how that character was going to behave. And you got endeared to that and you just learned how to like love and embrace that part of them. Even if one person is a little more uptight, one person is the mom's on call schedule by the second (laughs) kind of person, then another's like, oh yeah, you know, basically I get that they want me to feed this baby about five times a day. So that's where I'm at. And there's just this really great, beautiful friendship that can be made when you accept those differences and see those different ways that people's kids can turn out and don't necessarily have to feel like we feed that own insecurity in us by having to point out where somebody else is is wrong or different. That's challenging. It is challenging. And I think that falls over into even our relationships, our our spouses, our partners. Mm. Why do we always feel like they have to be wrong in order for me to be right. So that really kind of stands out because most of the time, Jennifer, mm-hmm. it's not a right or wrong situation. Yeah. And I think when we can all kind of step back and and understand that, I think that we can kind of make it through and kind of limit some of that drama that spills over into our homes. And you know what? Honestly, kind of spills over into my heart, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the... It starts that's with humility, place. I think. Oh, yeah. it does. That's something we're not reminded to embrace a whole lot. So yeah, super challenging. Like, how can I treat this situation with that humility and graciousness towards somebody else? Not allowing yourself to necessarily be stepped on if people are being cruel to you. Right. And there is some of that too. And and there's a way to be able to limit recognize and limit when people are actually there is a line that it's like okay wait a second this isn't healthy for anybody involved Mm -hmm. and to have to step away from that and so I want to encourage everybody so not only do I want you to find those people that you can lean into and really get through the good days and the bad days with but also I want to encourage you to try and be that person to somebody else. Maybe that you just make a phone call and just ask, how how are you today? Like, really, how are you? You know what? Let's go and grab a cup of coffee. I'm looking forward to today. I'm going to go and get to spend some sweet time with one of our old bosses. I hate to even (laughs) call her a boss because she actually is probably one of our great, great friends. And I just, I'm going to be intentional with that. And so Mm -hmm. how can we be intentional and speak and be in that person to other people? And how can we, how do we limit the voices that are trying to create the mama drama on the other side of that coin? How do we navigate that when maybe it's not us that's creating it, but the people around us? Are there ways that we can try and limit those voices? I think a lot is just who you choose to be and sitting like when you were talking about, oh, sitting with somebody, somebody's kid just they're having trouble napping. Don't we have this all the time? (laughs) They may be screaming or, you know, and just being able to say, hey, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. I'll sit here with you through that. 
it's easier sometimes to listen to somebody else's child cry than it is your own. <laughs> That's just a truth about a parent's heart. And just being able to sit in that, not necessarily saying, oh, here's what you need to do about that. Or here's what you need to do about that. Just like, you know what? I'm just going to be present. I'm not going to have all the answers, but can I Google English on it? Can I make you some tea? Can I make us a spot of tea? What can we talk about and be distracted in our consults when we're teaching parents what to do in those nap times? And we put those babies down for a nap the first time and they're convinced that this child will not be able to figure out how to fall asleep on their own by virtue of their experience. And you and I are just like, it's okay. Be skeptical. We're fine with skeptical. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. (laughs) And let's just sit and talk about a few things while their baby's sorting this out and while they're learning. And we do that. Right. And then we come to find that after a few minutes, all of a sudden you're like, oh, do you hear that? And they're like, no, like exactly. Exactly. Oh, this beautiful thing just happened while we were distracted, just talking about those other things and questions that we had. And so I think there's just a lot of value in being the distraction and not always the answer. I love that. Yeah. Just allowing people to be where they are, even if it's different and if it's hard. So as we move on, we are going to say today, be the friend that you want to have. You don't always have to get it right in perfection and accepting that as part of friendship, but being gracious to yourself and to others, that's going to help minimize what creeps into all of these groups of ladies and parents that we have access to in so many different ways, which is the mama drama. When you become a parent for the first time, or for the 10th time, you are going to encounter a lot of unique situations. And sometimes you just want another set of ears to hear your issue and offer you some advice. Jennifer and I are happy to be those ears for you. Leave us a message at 888-234-7979 or send us a message on Instagram. You can follow us there at Moms on Call. And we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can during the Moms on Call podcast. Hi, my name is Atisha Everwall. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I have a an 18-month-old daughter. I've loved the Moms on Call method. It saved us. It had her sleeping through the night at 10 weeks. And now we're trying to figure out how to get our super picky toddler how to eat. So uh, I would love any recommendations you guys have for a toddler who just doesn't like to try new foods and is quick to say no and throw food on the ground. Thanks again. Love you guys. And I'm really excited for the podcast. Bye. Patricia, we're so glad to hear from you. And thank you. Thank you for loving us. We love you back. And we hope that all the things that we do to try and help you to enjoy these toddlers more um, is helping you in your household in the day to day. So one of the things that we're going to do is send you over to the Toddler by Design app. Because we actually have a section in there once you figure out how they're designed in the SMART paradigm that stands for Social Movement and Engineer 
rule follower or touch. And when you see like how much of each of those motivators kind of play into what they're looking for, then it really helps you know exactly how to manage this. But I want to give you a few um, messages of hope. Number one, it is very normal for them to exert their preferences and have an opportunity just to make these decisions. Number two, mealtime can be a mess sometimes if we just, you know, throw out our expectations that this is going to be just clean and, you know, completely um, pleasant every second, then we can really enjoy the feeding. What we want is as stress-free as possible. And we give you some really great guidelines in the book and in a little section of the Moms on Call Toddler by Design app um, called Sanity Savers, where depending on her design, we'll go over feeding, sleeping, tantrums, and potty training, and just a few tips for each design that'll help motivate them in the right direction. But the big thing is, I'm going to let Laura finish with this. Uh, I'll start it and she'll finish it because we saved this a hundred times. <laughs> um, it's so many different ways. Um, it's your job to provide the food and it's their job to eat it. And really, one of the things that we see at this age is that we expect them to eat these large amounts and these huge adult servings when in actuality, they only need a few bites. And so my general rule of thumb is to pick, to put two or three pieces of two to three different food groups at a meal. If they want more, they can always ask for more. But let's try to not overwhelm, with, overwhelm them with amounts. And let's also begin to get her involved in preparing the food. She can stir a bowl or she can try and, you know, take the fruit and put on the plates while we're getting ready and preparing those meal times. The other thing that we see is just constantly trying to make them eat one more bite, one more bite, one more bite. So let's make sure that we are letting her eat what she wants. And the other thing, mom, is to make sure that she is watching you eat your food. I want you to say, oh my gosh, these are the best green beans I have, have ever had. She is going to love these one day. I can't wait for her to love these. And your confidence in that is really contagious. So let's try and make it a stress-free environment. Let's have some fun and let's limit those, uh, those amounts of food that we are putting in front of our kids. And remember, it's your job to provide the food. It's their job to eat it. Hi, my name is Richard. I am uh, from New Orleans. I'm uh, calling about uh, my baby. She's seven and, a half, seven and a half months old, and she has trouble napping past the uh, twilight uh, sleep time. So basically, she'll nap up to that point, but uh, afterwards she won't, and only will be able to nap in my wife's arms. And uh, we need to figure out uh, a solution to this uh, problem. Thank you. Richard, we love so much the dads that love Moms on Call. Richard, we are so happy to get your call. And we know that you would also like to be in your wife's arms on occasion. So we're going to get that baby sleeping past that 30-minute mark. And 
give your wife a couple of those moments where she does get to hold that sleeping baby. There is nothing like it. Um, we have a couple of ways that we've answered this question in the past. And so today we're going to highlight a little bit of a different part of that, that sometimes when we do that twilight sleep, when they go to bed, okay, they go to that nap, they go down. Okay. But right at 30 to 45 minutes, you can set a clock, they wake up and they get fussy. Sometimes even not waiting too long to get in there and do a little shushing is advisable. So sometimes we'll just go in there a little bit earlier and don't let them get too worked up and just kind of ease them in. Also with our white noise machines, especially the Electrofan um, that you can get at momsoncall.com, you can get at Amazon. Um, the Electrofan has a couple of different noises white noise, brown noise, and pink noise. And so sometimes if we'll change that noise from white to brown or brown to pink right there in that um, twilight sleep, then sometimes it can just lull them back into sleep. And then Laura has some other really great guidelines she has given a couple of times as well. So I'm going to let her finish up with some more practical tips. Hey, Richard, my hometown of New Orleans. I love it. I love the food and uh, it's just always such an incredible place to visit. And uh, so maybe eat some some crawfish for me if you can. So um, but with this little one at seven and a half months of age, what I want to encourage you guys as a family to do is to try and pick two naps a day. That's all we're asking. Pick two naps a day where we really walk through those nap time guidelines. So we're going to put that little one down. Typically at this point, they're staying up for about two, maybe even two and a half hours. So for example, if we're getting her up and starting the day at 7 a.m., then she's having she's eating at 7. Then we're starting breakfast of solids somewhere around 8 a.m. Then we're having some playtime until about 9, maybe 9.15-ish. She might even be getting to 9.30 at this point. Then at that point, we want to do the pre-nap routine which means we go in her room, we change her diaper, we love on her, we snuggle, maybe we read a story. We may lay on the floor and do a little bit of floor time for a few minutes. Then we're going to be purposeful with putting her down in the crib, cranking up that sound machine and getting out of the room. When she wakes at that 30 to 45 minute mark, so if we're putting her down at, let's say, 930 and she is waking somewhere around 10 or 1015, what I would recommend is that you hold off. Try to not go in that room until at least 1030. At 10.30, if she's still pretty fussy, go in and you can actually get her up. If the sound machine trick didn't work, you can get her up and do some low-key snuggle time until it's time to feed. Try to do that twice a day if at all possible. Be consistent and before you know it, we'll be getting a good nap soon enough. Hi, my name is Whitney Wilson. I'm from Siler City, North Carolina. I have a little boy who will be um, four months next Friday. It appears we're in the middle of a sleep regression. He 
has learned to roll from his back to his stomach, but not his stomach to his back. And we had to completely transition out of the swaddle because of that about two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, he is not sleeping very well at night. We might get like a four to five hour stretch and um, he'll be on his stomach at that point, and he has a fit because he can't get back to his back, so we have to go in there and flip him. By the time we get back in our bedroom and look at the monitor, he's rolled over again and stuck and screaming. We normally go in and try to soothe him, pat on the butt, rub his back, whatnot. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and ultimately he winds up in our room for the rest of the night. So do you have any advice or any tips as far as navigating this, if it's um, – is the sleep regression or has to do with the rolling? Um, he's drooling a lot, so he might be teething as well. It's just a lot of factors in play, and we're trying to guide him, but at the same time, get ourselves some sleep. So um, that was my question. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Whitney. Well, a couple of things. One, we do not call it a regression. We actually call it a progression. This is that four-month developmental uh, breakthrough that is expected. We expect this to happen right around this time frame. The thing is, we want to have a few things in place, a consistent routine, and we will not focus too much on the daytime routine until we get these nights kind of back on track. We want to make sure that we have a safe crib environment. So we want a crib and nothing else in that crib. We want to make sure that they're in footed pajamas because footed pajamas allow them to figure out how to move those muscles and throw those legs over and figure out how to get on their belly. But then realize that they might not like it, but then they have to figure out and work extra hard to figure out how to get back over. And the truth is, Whitney, he can. He can figure out how to get back over. We do need to give him some opportunity to figure that out. We want to make sure that we're using the right sound machine as well. So we do like one that's made for adults. The Electrofan is a very high quality white noise that we like. What I'm the most excited about is your son is about to show you what he's capable of. And that's how we like to see things. That's why Laura was talking about, we call it a progression. He is right on the precipice of figuring out how to roll over and frustration is our friend. It is a fantastic motivator. So what we want to do is we want to give extra time for him to learn how to roll over, put him on his tummy for 10 to 15 minutes of tummy time, three to four times a day, and really utilize that fussy time right after dinner and before bed. So we always say if they're going to be fussy anyways, might as well meet a developmental milestone while we're at it. So he is strong, adaptable, resilient, give him those times during the day. And then instead of quote unquote, saving him, from being on his stomach and rolling him back over. The American Academy of Pediatrics agrees. Once they can get over onto their tummy, it's okay to leave them there. We don't have to keep going back in and out to roll them over ourselves. And he will get it probably in the next night or two. And we will restore those great nights of sleep that hopefully you were enjoying previously. Um, the other things that I believe Laura mentioned as well was we want that crib free of any um, loose blankets, free of any stuffed animals. There's nothing in that crib but a baby. And that way it is the safest environment where he can have the time and opportunity to show you what he can do. Thank you to everybody who left us a message. We're sorry that we couldn't get to all of the voicemails and all of the Instagram messages, but keep listening. 
We may get to your question in an upcoming episode. And if you have something that you want to ask, do it at 888-234-7979 or by sending us a message on We'd Instagram. Like to end every single episode of the Moms on Call podcast with something that's going to put a smile on your face. We look for encouraging and uplifting and happy stories about parenting and raising children. And we end the show with them every single week. We call this the good stuff. Okay, I love this. There's a professor at MIT by the name of Troy Littleton that put a travel crib in his lab's office so that one of his students could bring her 10-month-old daughter in to try and finish up these labs. So Karen Cunningham said there's the solid focused six to eight hours of work that you wouldn't want to bring a baby in for. So she's like, no way, not going to happen. But then there's these times that are kind of like lab errands is what she calls them that you just do here and there. And that is when this travel crib in her professor's office made all the difference. She said, I could just put Katie down and go and do something real quick. And then I could see her and talk to her and she could nap in there. And it was so, so great. It's really hard navigating, going back to work and trying to get through school when you have a little one. And Troy Littleton, Professor Troy Littleton, you did a great thing by creating the space that this mom felt supported but also encouraged. I don't know what they were studying over there at MIT, but it seems like it's probably something really important and humanity will make a way. When we work together, we can make a way. So the job of this professor was to problem solve and boy, did he ever. Thank you for listening to the Moms On Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. The number one way that people find out about new podcasts is word of mouth. And that is how Moms On Call got started. And your endorsement of this show is so important. Please tell all of your friends about this show. If you think something in here would bring a smile to their face or would be helpful to them in any way. Also, please leave us a five-star review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined, write a short paragraph about what you like about us. Thanks in advance. And we appreciate you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast.